This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. And we're going to allow God to continue to minister to us. Put on your, you know, okay, we've got all of the other things out of the way, and thank God, but let me tell you, the Word is what we're here for, and what we're going to receive and get and grab a hold of and walk in. In Hebrews chapter 11, in this series, in this season of restoration, in this season of preparation, we've been asking ourselves, are we prepared for God's next move. Are we prepared for what's coming next? And we are being prepared by questions we've been asking ourselves. And we've been looking at Noah here in uh, Hebrews 11 and 7. And it says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heirs of righteousness, which is by faith. Noah prepared in advance. He was an advanced planning man of God. And God is telling us in this time that we need to be advanced planning people. And God has given us several different things that we should do in this time. And it's in advanced planning. Now, see, a lot of times we think, okay, well, he said this. When is this going to happen? It's advanced planning. It might be two months, two weeks, three years, five years, whatever. Are you advanced planning? And we see that Noah was advanced planning. He was prepared to deal with adversity. He was prepared to deal with whatever was going to come. He prepared to save his house. You need to prepare that way. And so in this question, in this time, in this season of our life, we need to ask ourselves, am I prepared? Am I prepared to stand for the Lord? Am I prepared to go through the process of restoration? Am I prepared to breach all of the things that's happening in my family? Breaches that have been set up for years, sometimes from generation to generation. Am I prepared? The purpose of this teaching is to ensure that we maximize this span of time that God has given us. It's just a span of time. So you must maximize it because that time will come to an end. The goal of this teaching is for us to prepare for what is to come. And we said there's always a next. And we want to prepare spiritually, naturally, and financially for what is coming next. God has been telling us that. And in our first lesson, we asked ourselves, am I awake? Am I awake? And we found out within ourselves that it's essential that we be awake. We can find ourselves in the time that we need to be awake the most that we're asleep. Eyes wide open, but we're asleep. We find ourselves not fully engaged at the time that, that where our attention needs to be, and it's not. Where it's needed to be the most, you'll find yourself not being there. You need to be awake. We said that when you are awake, that you are aware of the times 
the times that we're in. We're in perilous times. We're in a dark time. We're in a time that we need to be aware of everything going on around us. All of the crises that are in the land. Amen. And then we also said when we awake that we are alert to temptation. We are, we are aware that temptation is everywhere. We are alert that it's coming our way. You're, nobody's exempt from temptation. Did you hear me? Nobody's exempt from temptation. So we need to be alert of temptation. Then we said also when you are in a place where you have understanding, where you are prepared, that you also are able to respond. Are you able to respond? Able to respond to the instructions of God. See, He's going to give you some instructions today. And you need to ask yourself, am I able to respond to that? Are you able to respond to the correction of God? He'll also correct you. But, and how you respond is important. Am I able to respond when I'm needed the most? And then last week we said, that we ask the question, is my heart prepared? Is my heart prepared? And I said, just because you have a desire for something doesn't mean that your heart is prepared. You may, you know, you may want to be restored. You may want to establish a plan for your life. You may want to establish to be a principal home and have a principal life. But because you desire it doesn't mean that you're prepared for it. You have to have a prepared heart for it. Amen? Then we said that my heart has to be prepared. When it is prepared, I become strong and courageous. If you find yourself in a weak state, and, you, and I'm not talking about bodily weak, I'm talking about weak in the things of God, and don't know if God's Word is really going to work, it's because you're not prepared. Because a prepared heart makes a strong heart and a courageous heart. It gives you courage. Amen. And we said knowledge is the thing that makes us strong, and knowledge gives us courage. Knowledge, and that's what you get here. You're going to get knowledge, and it's going to make you strong, and it's going to give you courage to walk in that knowledge. Amen? And then we said that when you know who you are, and you know what you're fighting for, and most importantly, know what I'm fighting with, then you become strong and courageous. You gotta know those things. You gotta know who you are. I don't care what people said. I don't care what family members have said. I don't care what anyone has said. You have to know who you are, what you're fighting for, and who you're fighting with. What you're fighting with. Amen. God has given it to us. And then we said your heart is prepared when you're able to make tough decisions. You gotta learn that you're going to make, you're gonna have to make tough decisions. Decisions that you, that's gonna transfer your life. You got to make, let me tell you, some of you out there, you got to make a tough decision about this ministry. Make it. You got to make a tough decision about this ministry. Some of you can't make, you're making tough decisions about everything else, but when it comes to this ministry, I'm telling you, you're going to need it. You're going to need it this year. You're going to need it the next year, but you're going to most importantly need it this year. And right now, you need to make a tough decision. Amen. It's not really that tough, but it's tough for you. Amen. And then we said, my heart is prepared when I'm prepared to change. Are you a person that's prepared to change? If you don't ever want to change, then you don't have a prepared heart. Because let me tell you, God won't change. He's the Lord God. He changed not, so I must change. So you have to be prepared 
to change. Amen. And then we said that uh, we dealt with last week, am I prepared to make the commitment? Mm, Commitment. That's a whole nother thing because we found out what commitment means. Amen. When you're prepared to be commit, uh, to make a commitment, it's very hard for you because you don't know the conditions of that commitment until after you've made the commitment. So everybody just kind of, I don't know if I want to commit to that. I don't know. What, well, whatever, whatever you do, when you get married, when you make a commitment, you don't know what the conditions is after you, until after you get married. You don't know when you make a commitment to buy a car, buy a house, you don't know what's wrong with it or if something is wrong with it until after you signed on the dotted line, after you make the commitment. So it is with the things of God. You got to make the commitment. But, but this is the thing about it with God. God actually show you the conditions after you make the commitment with His Word. He said, this is what will happen when you commit to my Word. That's what God, I'm going to show you. The world is not going to show you. But when I, when I t- show you what the Word says, I'm going to tell you what you're going to get for it. I'm going to keep you safe. I'm gonna t- He'll show you just what you're going to get when you commit. See, He's different from the world. You commit to me, and and we tell our children, and we tell people all the time, this is what happens when you do this. We we even tell our children that, but see, they don't believe it. This is what I want you to commit to. If you don't commit to it, this is going to happen. And if you do commit to it, this is going to happen. And they don't trust it. Mm, I don't know if I should make the commitment because I don't know. Well, you can always trust God. Because I'm going to tell you, you're never going to make God's word a lie. Never. You're never going to put God on the spot and say, well, I committed to it. And I know. Let me tell you, you can find in the word. Commit to salvation. He'll tell you what you get for it. You're not going to get to heaven or you don't get to, you don't get to get to heaven by not committing to salvation. And it's, you have to make a commitment to it, not a verbal agreement. Amen. And then we said the word commit means to pledge. When you pledge, it means to give my word as a security for my actions. Mm. I said it's a pledge. Commitment. It's giving a word, giving your word as security for your action. My word is a down payment. It is a security for what I said I'm going to do. Are you following me? To commit, we also said, means to entrust. To trust means you have to get an assignment placed in your hands. Just going over old information. And then most of all, I don't ever want you to forget every commitment. All commitments are to God and God alone. It's not to a person. It's not to a place. It's to God and God alone. And then... I said, when you are prepared, you're prepared. When you are prepared, you are prepared to have an assignment put in your hand. See, it's not about just verbally saying you're prepared. Because there's many people that can say what they're prepared to do, it, but their heart's not prepared to do it. You can verbally be prepared to do anything. I'll do it, I'll do it, but your heart's not in it. That's why you can't complete it. Amen? And then another definition, definition of commit, we said... It means to imprison. Mm. 
That's one we didn't like, but it's very much so true. When you make a commitment, you are imprisoned to that, that commitment that you made. Amen. I said to, to imprison means to give up your rights, give up your choice, and give up your free will willingly. Because you, you do have a free will. But now, when I make a commitment to God, God, I'm giving all of that over to you. I don't want to make my choice. Let me tell you, all of us have made enough wrong choices in our lifetime to give it over to God. It ain't like, well, I really want my choice. All the wrong choices you made, you ought to be glad to give that. God, I don't want to choose no more. I want to give it over to you. My rights, let me tell you, I don't have no, I don't have no rights. I've given my life over to you. Amen? And then another definition of commitment, I said that commitment means to do what is required as long as it's required. That's commitment. Now, if you got all that, let's go into our new information. Write this down. Am I prepared to obey? Am I prepared to obey? To be prepared, I must be ready to obey. So I can desire something and still not be ready to obey. I can desire that my life be healed and still not be ready to obey. I can desire that my life be whole and still not be ready to obey. I can desire that I want a principled life and still not be ready to obey. Many people want to, want to have a desire that their families be established, but you have to ask yourself, are you ready to obey? You can desire, especially you young people, you can desire that your personal life be established. But the question you have to ask yourself is, are you ready to obey? Because see, wanting all those things and obedience has to go together in order to bring it to pass. And I, you know what? If not, all it is is wishful thinking. Oh, I love that. Oh, I want this and I want that. And, you know, what's your plan for your life? I want this, I want that, I want this. But are you prepared to obey? See, here's the thing. To get what you desire is going to require some obedience. Did you hear me? To get what you desire... Listen to me, young people, old alike, to get what you desire. Let me tell you, it's not going to come with decreeing and declaring. And we're going to find out if you really have faith for all this faith that you say you have. It's not going to come that way. It's going to come by obedience. Watch this. Listen to this closely. My heart... And my commitment will be tested when it comes time to obey. Did you write that down? Because it's going to happen. Your heart and your commitment will be tested when it comes time to obey. You know, if you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you the things you need to do to live a long and healthy life, And see, I've never met a person that said, I want to live a short and unhealthy life. Most of us, everybody that I know, and everybody that I can think of, 
want to live a long and healthy life. Listen. But when the doctor says something like, things you need to do. We're talking about obeying. The things you need to do to live long and have a healthy life. Then the question is, you know, uh, you see, it's not an issue of the doctor saying this. Okay, if you just desire to have a long and healthy life, you will. See, that's not how it works. He's not going to say it like that. Are you following me? So it's not an issue of your heart. It may not even be an issue of your commitment. The question is, are you prepared to obey when the doctor gives you instructions? It's not going to come with you just a desiring. Because after that, the doctor always says some things that you're going to have to do. Have you noticed? Whenever you meet the doctor and he starts talking about your health, he's always telling you some things that you have to do. Again, in other words, the doctor doesn't say, just because you desire it, you're going to live that way. If your heart desires it, you're going to live that way. Have you noticed the doctor always, everybody say always, always gives you things that you don't do. He's always do, giving you things you're not doing. <laughs> things that you need to add to your life. So then you ask yourself the same question. Am I willing to obey the things that he's telling me I need to do? Or I need to add to my life? If I want to live a long and healthy life. Like Isaac was saying this morning, the doctor was telling him where he was and what you need to do. So what are you going to do? You have to do some obeying. It ain't just going to be just uh, because I want to be. And it ain't going to be I know the Lord. He's just going to keep. Let me, it's not going to be, well, God, okay, I'm eating the whole pound cake and just take all the calories out. I remember somebody told me that their parent told them their parent wasn't smoking. Their parents said, every time I smoke a cigarette, God blesses me and he takes the nicotine out. And see, that's a bunch of foolishness teaching. And I'm talking about this is a person that would say, actually, I think it was a person that was a minister. Listen, obedience tests our love and our respect for God. It's going to test that. They're always going to get something, things that you're not doing. That's why I don't understand why people get mad when they're being corrected by God or they're being rebuked by God. It's God telling you, I'm giving, telling you some things that you're doing to make your spiritual life unhealthy and I'm trying to get you healthy. And instead of obeying, you get offended. Just like you do with the doctor. But obedience tests our love and respect for God. We can say that we love Him. We can say that He's our Father. But obedience really tests our love and respect for God. See, we say a lot. But obedience tests that love that you say you... I just love God. 
How often do you obey? Hmm. And when I'm talking about obeying in this context of this message, I'm talking about, am I prepared to obey the will of God? Am I prepared to obey the Spirit of God? Am I prepared to obey, here we go, godly authority? See, all of that has all of that goals in a package. See, when I talk of, again, when I'm talking about prepared to obey, are you prepared to obey the Spirit of God? Are you prepared to obey the Word of God? And are you, more importantly, prepared to obey godly authority? And for young people, your parents is godly authority. Ask yourself, am I prepared to obey the Word of God? God's, just, listen, God's, God's will and God's Word is contained in His will. For all mankind, it's contained in that. So the question is, am I prepared to obey God's Word? Am I prepared? Or, 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 or are there some things in God's Word that I'm just not really yet prepared to obey? Like, no fornication, adultery, backbiting. I can give up that gossiping, just not right now. I know it, but you know, okay, I'll use it under the covering of let me pray for you. Now, what's going on? Am you, are you prepared to obey? You have to ask yourself, am I prepared to obey the Spirit of God? Listen, all of us that are believers, listen, God has spoken some things by His Spirit. And you knew it. Was him. You knew it was God. But ask yourself, did you do it? You knew it was God when he said it. Whether he said it through godly authority, whether he said it while you were studying the word, you knew it was God when you heard it. And what did you do? Did you obey it? Did you cloud it out with a louder voice over that? To just ignore it? Did you just walk away from it like, well, it might have been God, I don't know, tricking yourself out of it? If you heard it and you knew it was God, why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do it? I'll tell you why you didn't do it. You were not prepared to obey. I'm not prepared to obey. Are you prepared to obey godly authority? I'm one that stands in this ministry as godly authority. Oh, I just don't know. I just can't. Not prepared to obey. Listen, all of us that are believers have spoken, when God has spoken to us through some godly authority, hmm, He's all, God, God is always speaking to, to us through godly authority. And when God spoke to us through godly authority, 
we knew it was God when He spoke. But yet, I still couldn't do. I still can't do it. Yeah, but no. This is the excuse to you. This is when you're not prepared to be. Well, I don't know if they know everything. I don't believe everything they say. See, just not for now, that. That's your excuse that you put on someone else. I don't believe everything they say. What well, do they back it up with the word? That's a person that's not prepared to obey. So you're not prepared to do what God say do. And then you don't do it. And God is always speaking to you through authority. Why? Because we were... We, every time God does, God said, Listen, I'm speaking to you through, through authority. Why are you looking for something else? I'm looking for something else because I'm not prepared to obey that. I don't want to obey that. So I'm looking for some other, some other answer. Other than godly authority. Now see, you may desire an outcome for whatever you believe in God for. But you were not prepared to obey to get that outcome. See, you want a certain outcome. And then God gives you some godly authority to show you how to get to that outcome. And you don't want to obey that. But you still want that outcome. Not prepared to obey. Are you following? It's called not prepared. See, obedience is God's plan to reward our life. God rewards you when you obey. And let me tell you, you cannot be rewarded in disobedience. I don't care. I'm a, I mean, I see people all the time and, you know, pray for God to do this. And they're doing everything opposite God's Word. God does not reward disobedience. First point of the day. I'm prepared to obey when I have faith. See, you're prepared to obey when you have faith. I'm going to deal with this faith thing. Now, I hear you saying, well, I have faith. Well, not really if you're not doing some of the things that God has asked you to do. If you're not doing uh, some of the things that God's Word or things that you have heard through godly authority. Some things that God has spoken to you by His Spirit and you have not done it. Maybe you don't have faith. See, going to what you call a faith ministry that teaches faith, you say, I have faith. But if you haven't done those things, you have to ask yourself, do I really have, maybe I don't have faith. Because I haven't done anything that God said. Hmm. See, I'm prepared when I have faith. And faith is the confidence in the testimony of God. That's what faith is. Faith is not into just getting things and stuff. Faith is the confidence in the testimony of God. That is, faith is the confidence that we have, here we go, that of who He is. That's what faith is. Our confidence in establishing in our hearts that we have in who He is. In what he said. I have confidence in what he said. 
I have confidence in what his will is. I have confidence in what he requires. All of that is faith. I'll have confidence in it. No matter the way it looks. No matter the way it sounds. No matter what's going on around me. No matter what happened to my cousin or my mother or my sister. It doesn't matter who else it happened to. My confidence is in his will. In his word. In who he is. In what he said. I have confidence in it. Death will make you try to lose that confidence like that. That's why you better know who he is. And all of these that I just quoted, they're all contained in his testimony. That's why faith is in the testimony of the Lord Jesus. It's in the testimony. What's required of me, watch this, Faith, this is what's required of me. If you have faith, it causes me to be obedient to God and not obedient to me. When I have faith, it causes me to obey God and not obey me. See, one of the reasons that we think we have faith is because we have been taught and we have seen and, uh, that, and we think that saying something time and time again and over and over again, that God's going to do it. I'm just confessing that over and over again. I'm confessing all day long. And because we think we have confidence that He's going to do it, and we say, you know, we think we have faith. I've been, well, I've been confessing this all day. Confess this and confess that. I'm going to make sure that I'm confessing. I'm going to keep saying it over and over until it materializes. And you know, we put it on until the manifestation comes. And you think you have faith. But this is the thing. You can say it over and over again. But this is what you have to understand. Faith is not God being obedient to you. See, we want God to obey us. God, I'm saying it. I'm just decreeing and declaring it. I'm saying it over and over. I'm confessing it. Obey me and bring it to pass. God, faith is not God obeying you. Faith is you obeying God. Hmm. I'm telling you, faith... Is not saying something every day. And because I say it every day, God is going to obey me now. Thinking to yourself that you have the power to make God obey you by just saying it over and over. Well, I'm saying it. I'm a person of faith. And perhaps it come to pass, which doesn't have nothing to do with God. You said, see, I have faith. I prayed and I prayed and God has caused the stimulus check to come to me. See, that's God. That's the, I just kept telling God what I needed. And I actually said, actually, $1,400. And I got exactly that. I know I have faith. And God brought it to pass. He obeyed me. 
I'm a first faith person. Why? Because I can make God obey me. All I have to do is confess it and say it. No, faith causes us to obey Him. Not Him to obey us. Get that out there. Faith causes us to obey Him. Not Him to obey us. You know, one of the things, I was looking over Hebrews 11, and one of the things that I think people, not the Scripture deceives you, they deceive themselves when they read Hebrews 11. We call, and you know, and we call it the a Hall of Faith. Listen. Or we highlight the faith that the apostles did, or that the people did. And in Hebrews uh, 11, you know, we don't understand what faith produces. So we read it and we think, oh, okay, because, you know, I'm reading it, uh, this is what happens. But listen to me, because this is what I think people get deceived when they read this. Personally, this is what I feel. We look at it and we say, Moses had faith. David had faith. Abraham had faith. We're looking at them all here. By faith he did this. By faith they did that. By faith. David had all of them had it. And we focus on the fact that they had great faith. Listen. But we don't focus on the fact of what faith caused them to do. We just say here, by faith they did this. By faith, you see the word. By this, by faith he did it. By faith. And all we're focused on is what faith did. We don't focus on what faith caused them to do. Then we focus on the fact that their faith caused something. You hear yourself saying, and Moses did this by faith. Well, I mean, you read it, and you, it says that. And he caused this to happen when Moses had faith. Noah did this, and he caused this to happen. But we skip the most important piece. And Church of Living Water will never miss that again. We're going to grab this now whenever we read that so you'll understand it. Because the Bible says... Faith without works is dead. We skip the, more, in the most important piece. Yes, they had great faith. They had great faith because they obeyed. See, it wasn't just having faith. They had great faith because they obeyed. And as a result of their obedience, something happened. Ooh, did you get that? They only had the faith because they obeyed. And their obedience caused things to happen. By faith this happened. Moses had faith and this happened. But he had to obey first. But watch this. They had faith. When they had faith, it causes them to it caused them to obey. And what happened, they didn't get listen, they didn't get what they wanted. God got what he wanted. Did you hear me? 
They did not get what they wanted. They, God got what He wanted. Faith doesn't cause you to get what you want. Faith causes God to get what He wants through you. Faith causes God to get what He wants through you. And if you don't have faith, he, listen, He just goes on to somebody else. He's not stopping. You're not going to, you know, you, you can't hold God hostage. He goes on and finds somebody else who does have faith. Why? Because His will is always going to be done. With you or without you. You can't confess Him into anything. You can't decree and declare Him into anything. And, he, and here's the kicker. He can't make you do anything either. He didn't make me stand up here to be pastor. He put it out there. It was, on my, it was my choice to obey or not to obey. See, that's the kicker. He won't make you do anything and he can't. He, he locked himself out of that. Because he said, you'll never be able to say I had no choice. No, no, no. It's always the ball is in your park. Now you do. He'll tell you what to do, but nevertheless you do. He just asks you to have faith. If you choose to not have faith, he just finds someone else that does. And he'll use them. He will always, everybody say always, find someone who will obey him. Always. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, searching for those who will do what He requires them to do. So if you don't want to, don't worry about it. He'll find somebody that will. If you want to put God on hold, guess what? He'll find somebody and put Him in your spot. You're not ever going to hold God hostage. He has His people everywhere. Now watch this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is... Let me start back over verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Not yourself, to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now, this is the problem here. We see that word reward, and we go crazy. Reward. Diligently seek. We just see that and we run off. But we forget the fact that the goal, uh, the goal of faith, listen, is to please God. You gotta, you, you gotta keep the goal of faith in mind. The goal is my faith needs to please God. Not the reward. But we just see the word reward. And see, because if my goal is to please God, when I please Him, I get the reward. I don't have to concentrate on the reward. I concentrate on pleasing Him. The reward is just attached to it. 
It's just like the consequences of sin is attached to the sin. Where reward is attached to obedience. The reward of pleasing God is that I become, here you go, an heir of righteousness. See, we always want the reward to be some money, a car, a house. But God, you got to go. I, I like what Minister Martin said, Pastor said, you, yeah, but you have to. See, you, see you, you ought to be excited that your reward is to be an heir of righteousness. Bob, I want that. Okay, let's move forward. I'm prepared to obey God when letter A, I believe that He is. See, the Bible said He is and He's a rewarder. I am prepared to obey God when letter A, I believe that He is. Now, I want you to understand this. When I say that you believe that He is, I'm not saying, this is what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you believe that He exists. Because that's where most people are. I said you have to believe that He is. Not believe that He exists. The Bible tells us the devils believe and tremble that He exists. I'm not saying to you, do you believe God exists? Listen, because I know you believe that He exists, why are you in here and why are you streaming? You're doing it because you do believe that He exists. I don't care if you're an atheist. If you have logged on to COLW, Church of the Living Water, you're streaming right now, it's because you believe He exists. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, if you didn't believe that He exists, you wouldn't be streaming. You wouldn't be in here in church. But the fact that you are lets me know that you believe. Listen, I spent most of my early life, my early life, I spent most of my early life, even when I was in college, listen, with a sure understanding that God exists. But I never acted like He is. I knew He existed. I would have Bible studies in the dorm and put everybody on my floor down into the lobby to have Bible studies. I hope some of you are listening and say, yeah, I remember that. Didn't know anything about the Word. All I know, we just would sit down and read the Bible. Uh, because I believe that He existed. Not that He is, though. In other words, when I say believe that He is, I mean that He is who He says He is. Do you believe that? See, many of you believe that He exists. I'm going to tell you, you believe that. You believe only that He exists. But, but to you, you know how He exists? He exists the way you created Him in your mind. See, that's not believing that He is. That's believing that in your mind how you pictured Him is how you believe He exists. 
as opposed to based on his word of who he is. You just have a, uh, 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 imagination of who he is. And most of you have the imagination of who he is for pictures you've seen. You just believe he exists. Are you following me? When I say believe that he is, I'm talking about you, do you believe that his word is true? All of it. Not some of it, all of it. Do you believe that his will is for you? Is his will for me? Is his word true? See, I have to believe that He is, not that He exists. Do I believe everything that He's saying in His Word? And it's, His will is for my life. His Word is true. See, that's believing that He is who He says He is. I have to believe that God really sees and knows. We'll say He's omnipresent. If you really believe that He sees and knows, why do you do that that nobody else sees and knows but Him? Now, if he was there in the physical, you wouldn't do those things. Some of the things that you do in private that nobody sees but him, why do you do it? If God would show up in form, as my grandson could say, talking about Jesus, he said, Madam, I've never seen Jesus in form. My eyes was like this, me? (laughs) But (laughs) that was a good deal. But... If God was there in form with the things that you do when nobody sees, if he was there in form, would you do it? No. Why? Because he is right there. But you do it and you're a believer because you only believe that he exists. You don't believe he sees and knows because if you really believe that, you wouldn't do the things you do. I know. You have to believe that he is. Listen. The question to you this morning is, do you believe, listen, that he is in your house? Why did we come when we met, when we, when we all would come here and meet? Why would you come every Sunday? Because you, and I'm going to show you that you believe it exists. See, you would come because you would, it's like you're checking in. Because you believe he was here. He exists. But the question I want to ask you right now, you would come here because you believe he exists, or you you say you believe he is, but do you believe he's in your house? Because that's where you are now, in your house. Do you believe that he's there? I know you believe he was here, that's why you would come on Sundays and Wednesdays, you make it in here. Listen, if you believe that God is God, then your standard of receiving this message shouldn't change with your location. 
So in your house, you should be receiving it the same way if you were here. Because you believe that he is. Not only that he exists. Listen again. Your standard for the reception of his word should not change because your location did. The same way that you felt here coming into this building, why don't you feel that same way at home? There's a difference with believing that he exists and that he is. If you believe that God speaks through his word, then why would you lower your standard on how you receive the word because of your location? Some of you are doing some of everything. In your house, because it's a different location. But if you believe that he is, the same respect that you give him when you come into this building, you should be giving him at home. Unless you just believe that he exists. But he's the same God here and at your house. You know, some of you, you saying you can't wait to get back together and everything. Let me tell you, we get back together. As soon as we get back, we're like, you know what? I kind of miss being at home because I didn't have to get dressed. I didn't have to. Well, is that the way you see? I believe he exists. But not that he is. By a show of hands. I can see your hands. Supernaturally, I can see your hands. How many by a show of hands get dressed like you dress to come to church? Now that you've been at home, when you're hearing the word. Ooh. Thank God. You mean put on heels and put on makeup and doing that? Now, I mean, because I've never seen anyone sit up in here and eat cereal while the word's going forth. But if you believe he exists and not really he is, I know he's God, but not who really... Why why does it differ for you? Because we're in a different location. Why has your standard Lord? You don't wear that gown with all the holes in it in here. You don't have your hair sticking up the top of your head when you're here, but now that you're home, and I'm in a different location, I believe God. Nobody, nobody in here sits up in here and braids their hair while they're hearing the Word. Now you go, yeah, Amen. Amen. See, I believe He exists. But to believe that He is who He say He is is totally different. Oh, is it my time to sing? Oh, God, i got to get dressed this Sunday. You've lowered your standard. Difference between believing that He exists and believing that He is. Are you following me? I'm going to tell you this. It's important that you pay close, very, have your full attention. 
It's, it's important that you have full attention to hear his word, whether you're in a house or whether you're here, whether you're in the sanctuary, whether Corona's here or Corona's gone. I'll hear the full word after Corona leaves. Then I'll really get serious. No. Seems to me if you believe that he is, listen, for me, if you believe that he is, you at this point in what's happening in the world today and what's going on, you should have a heightened level of attention on Sundays and Wednesdays. And everything that God has been telling us that's coming and what he's his next move, you ought to have a heightened level of attention on Sundays and on Wednesdays to hear his word. Why? Because in this time that we're in, we must believe that he is. More than any other time, right there is the time. Let me tell you, more than any other time with what's going on in our country, we need his word more now than ever. Because we're going through things we never experienced. Seems like your prayer life wouldn't go down during this time. Your prayer life should go up during this time. Because this is the time you need to be awake to the Lord. You need to be awake to the fact that I need God. So how many of you log on on Saturday mornings? Now see, it was okay that I'm in a certain position, so when we actually came here, I gotta be there to keep my position. And that's believing that He exists. But now I don't log in if I want, and if I don't, I don't have to, and you know, whatever, and you know, nobody knows, you know, whatever the minister's doing. I'm, I'm doing other things. I'm doing other things right now. But I love God. You believe that He exists. Did you hear me? Your prayer life should be heightened. Seems like your devotional time shouldn't be going down. It should go up. Because you understand the timing that you're living in. You understand what's going on right now. In our country, in our lives. All of this that I'm talking about is because I believe that He is different. Many people have told me and I've talked to, and they say, Pastor, you know what? It seems like all of a sudden the word seems like it has more intensity. The message seems like it's just more, in- and just, like, like, to me, like it's gone up. It's just, oh, it's just so good. Well, it's because I believe that He is. Every minister believes that He is. Why would we lower our intensity of God's Word at a time that you need it the most? And there are some pastors that don't believe that He is. They believe that He exists. 
But that's not believing that he is. So at the time that their congregation needed the most, they're not getting it. They're not getting it. They, they, they stop giving the word, well, we're just going to hold off, we're not going to do it. Why? Because they don't believe that he is. Why would you stop teaching at a time like this? If you believe that he is, you've got to teach the word. See, you may, some of you, you may have had a spotty attendance before the pandemic. Listen, when it came to coming to the building, and you know who you are, and wherever, wherever, whatever church you belong to or this church, you've had spotty attendance. But it would seem like you would have a perfect attendance now that you're at home. And because you believe that he is. Why don't you have perfect attendance now? But now, just like you have body attendance coming in here, now when it's time to hear the word, you got to run somewhere. <laughs> you say, we believe that he is. What you're saying is that his will haven't changed me. I have to believe that God sees and knows. Do you actually really believe that God sees? Not just in this building. Not just on May Street in Round Rock, Texas. But that he, you believe that he sees and knows right where you are. You believe that he's all-knowing. You say you do. Here's a good one. Do you believe that he cares for you? Do you really believe that God is holy? See, you have to ask yourself that. Do you believe that not only is God holy, but that He wants me holy? See, that's believing that He is. Not that just He's holy, or somebody else holy, but He wants me holy. Do you believe that God is love, and that He loves you? See, that's believing that He is. Do you believe that God is faithful? That's believing that he is. I don't know. This is happening, you know, I don't know what's going on. God ain't doing nothing. Everything's going on. Do you believe God is faithful? No matter how things look. No matter what's going on. Do you believe he's faithful? No matter how bleak it looks, how dim it looks, in your life, in any situation you may be in, do you believe that God is faithful? That's believing that he is. Do I have hope based on the knowledge of who he is? See, that's what keeps me going. I have hope based on the knowledge of who he is. That's how I can stand. So I have to believe that he is if I'm going to obey. If I don't believe that he is, tell me. What's going to motivate you to obey? Obey. If you don't believe that he is, tell me what motivation you're going to have to obey. You won't. I'm prepared to obey, let her be, when I have a desire to please him. Do you have a desire to please him? Obedience is a desire 
to please Him. With faith that my obedience is... See, I have faith that my obedience is not in vain. When you obey, say, well, I wonder... Is it? No, it's not in vain. Why? Because He said He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I believe that. I won't turn away from that. See, you have to have a desire to please Him. And some of you, listen, you may have a desire to please, but just not Him. Did you hear me? You do have a desire to please, but it's just not Him. You know, there's many people that you come across in life and they have a desire to please. I've met them. There are some people that just genetically, they just, you know, they just want to please. And, and that's okay. And maybe you want to please people. But that doesn't mean you want to please Him. He's by Himself. Note this, says your letter, See, I'm prepared to o- obey when I believe His warnings. Listen, if you don't believe God's is, then you will not believe His warnings. You will not. There's something about us humans. We can believe some things like Him existing, but still won't take His warnings seriously. I don't care how many warnings you try to give them. They won't take it seriously. It's like, it's like my grandchildren. You know, you tell, I'll, I'll tell them, okay, when you go in the backyard, you cannot go in the backyard without your, 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 your swim deals on. You've got to have those on at all times. And then you tell them, what's that, what side of the pool? This side of the pool, you can, because Layla can stand up on one side now. And I'm like, this side of the pool you have to stay on. Don't go down too far. You have to, but you have to make sure. Okay, if you're going out there on the trampoline, you gotta make sure you have the jack on. But if some reason, they'll still get close to the pool. No matter how many warnings you give them. It's a human nature. Everybody want everything illegal. Everybody want marijuana as long as it was illegal. Once it starts getting free, then I want to go to something else. I want to, because, you know, we can, you can warn and warn and warn, but that, it's human experience that if you want, I'm going to try it anyway. I'm going to get as close to the edge. My grandchildren to get as close to the edge. I'll be like, didn't I tell you? And then I kind of forgot I was sitting outside with them. I was letting them ride the bike. And Layla ran to me, Madam, can I go and jump on the trampoline? And I said, yes. And I'm not thinking. I was thinking, oh, my God, I forgot the pool is back there. And you, you still need to have on your, 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 your gear. And I jumped out and I was like, you know, you know, you already know. You cannot be in the backyard without some protection on, even if you're not swimming. If you're playing on the, tam- on the trampoline, I want that on you in case you fall into the water. But they'll get as close as they can to the edge of the pool without, like, I'm going and running, pick this up. I found this. Did you get that close to the pool without that deal? Or, no matter how many warnings. And we are that way with God. And we can't see it. He gives us warning. God will. And I keep telling us. What, you know, and God keeps telling us. He keeps giving us warning. But you know, of course, everybody, when God's giving you warning, you're talking about them. 
Or you don't want them to do this and you don't want them to do that. No, it's warning. And every time God said, I'm, you're getting one step closer to danger and I'm giving you warning. God keeps, basically God keeps saying, you're getting one step closer to the deeper water. You're getting one step closer. But it's our human nature. It's our human nature that wants us to keep jumping around until we get somewhere where we cannot swim. And then what? Then your parents got to jump in the water and save you from everything. Because you didn't listen to the warning. See, if you fall in the water, I'm going to have to jump in there with my clothes, everything to get you out because you didn't pay attention to the warnings. This is what we do in life. God gives you warning after warning after warning. And you just keep flapping, just flopping around, going to do your own thing until you fall in. And then somebody that knows how to swim got to jump in and save you. And God is saying to us today, when are you going to obey? When are you going to take my warnings seriously? Why? Because it's coming from one of my representatives? I don't care if you don't like them. I don't care if whatever you think. Is it, can they back it up with Scripture? It's a warning. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Turn to 2 Corinthians. Keep your... Keep your uh, ribbon in Hebrews 11, but go to Second Corinthians chapter 8. Second point. I'm prepared to obey when I have a willing mind. When I have a willing mind. That is a mentality to do. Listen, when I say a willing mind, I mean a mind not by constraint and not by commandment. A willing mind is when I have a mentality to do. A mentality to do. In other words, my mindset. Listen. My mindset is what I hear. And I'm going to, you know, you're going to do according to that. See, my, I have to have a mindset. I'm going to do what his words say. No matter what. No matter what I see with my eyes, I have to have a mentality and a mindset and a willingness to do what he said do. What I see in his word. Whether I hear it by spirit, whether I see it in his word, whether it's spoke, spoken to me through authority, I have to have a willing mind to obey. Even if I don't understand it at the time. Say, so you know what? I believe they're from God. And I don't understand it, and I, I, I've been praying about it, and I've been asking God, but you know what? I believe they're godly, and I have a willing mind to obey. I have a mentality to do. I'm going to do what they said. And it's not by constraint. I'm not doing it by commandment. I'm doing it because I realize that He is. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently see. He is. He is what he said in his word. And I've gotten it. I've, I've, I've seen it in the word. I've heard it over the pulpit. And I've, I've, I've been ministered to by some godly individual. And I'm willing to do it. I have the mentality to do 
Okay, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this is Paul using the church at Macedonia as an example to the church at Corinth. Corinth always needed an example and always needed to be ministered to. And he was trying to get the church at Corinth to develop an obedient heart and mind. Because there are some things that Paul asked them to do. See, in case you all have a problem with, with the preacher asking you to do something, Paul had asked them to do. He asked them to give a gift to support the work of the believers in Israel. And everyone, everybody had done it but them. You know, you always have everybody doing what God says, but a few. Everybody was doing what Paul had said, asked them to do in helping the believers in Israel, but Corinth. But this is the thing about it. They kept saying they were going to do it. Sound like people of God, don't it? They kept saying they were going to do it, but they didn't do it. See, their word, back to our definition, is out there. It's a security for their actions. It was a pledge. But they, had not, they, they hadn't had their heart and their mind to obey it. Are you following me? Chapter 8, beginning at verse 7. Therefore, and we've read this many times, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in love, and in us, see that you abound in this grace also. He's telling them, because this is how some of us are. So God is showing us right here. Verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for, their sake, for your sakes he became poor, and ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice. For this is expedience for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. That means I started it, but I didn't finish it. I started, I started tithing, but I stopped. So he said, you started off, but you couldn't even finish out the year. You started, you said you're going to do it, you started and you stopped. You started past this compensation, but then you stopped. You started going to church, and then I just kind of what, just kind of fell off. I know, I get it, I get it. Verse eleven. Now, therefore, oh, I'll say it again. And herein I give my advice, but this is expedient for you. Verse ten. Who hath begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. That is, there was a readiness to will, so that many be a that there may be a performance also out of that which you have. I'll say it again. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. That is, there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there be first a willing mind. It is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, 
but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be supplied for you, for your want, that there may be equality. Now watch this. I'm prepared to obey letter A when I no longer procrastinate. Here we go. I'm telling you, when God got on this, I felt a little convicted myself. When, when you no longer procrastinate, I want to speak to everyone, everybody. And, and, and I know, I know for a fact, everybody, there has been a time when you feel it in your heart and you committed to do it. You committed to do it. And you're going to do it. But you say, I'm going to get to it tomorrow. We've been there. I really want to do this. And God, I'm really committed to this. I promise I'm going to get to it. But you know, I, I, you know I, I didn't realize how late it got today. So I'll do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it. I'm committed to do it. But I'm going to do it tomorrow. Because now I'm tired and I had this and this came up and that came up. But listen, I'm really, I really am prepared. I'm prepared to obey. Listen, you have to tell yourself, I'm prepared to obey when I do, I no longer procrastinate. No more tomorrows. A readiness to will with a performance. That's what he was saying here. With a performance. You got to do it. You can't just say it. There has to be a performance. A readiness with a performance. See, a lot of you have uh, a readiness to will, but you're not ready to have a performance. You're not really ready to really get it done. Not just yet. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get to it. Oh, I'm going to do it. Oh, if I, if I can count how many people tell me that they're going to do it. There's some things God spoke to some of your hearts in January. There's some, some things that God spoke to your heart when you found in Pastor Transition. Mm. And every day you are reaffirming to God that you're going to do it. It's been almost three years now, and you're still affirming to God you're going to do it. Procrastination. And you even try to convince those around you that you're going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to do what God said. You, you try to tell people, oh yeah, I'm going to do what God... You're trying to convince somebody else that you're going to do what God said. But you, yet have, you have not done it. Procrastination. But, there, but if there's a readiness... A readiness to will. There has to be a performance. If you have the will to do it, then you have to perform it. There must be a performance. Go back and read it. There must be a performance. At some point, you have to stop procrastinating. You have to do it now. What you know to do now. You got to do it now. Don't waste time. Don't keep putting it off. Let me tell you, you're never... I don't care how much you love God. You'll never be able to do what God said do when all you do is put it off the next day. Put it off the next day. Okay, we can do it then. 
Okay, it's spring break. All the things you said you were going to do during spring break. Spring break is over and it's still undone. Then listen, I prepare to obey when let us see. When I no longer make excuses. Ooh. As our founding pastor would say, it's a lie you tell yourself. And a coward's way out of doing the truth. When you no longer, you know you're prepared to obey when you no longer have any excuses. As long as I'm making excuses, I'm not prepared to obey. Did you hear me? As long as I make excuses, I'm not prepared to obey. Well, I would do it, but. Well, I know I said it, but. I know I'm supposed to, but. Listen, God knows before he asks. God already knows before he asks. Pastor, God knows what? Before he asks. He already knows your excuses. See, you thought I was going to say he knows whether you're going to do it. No, no, he knows your, he knows the excuse you're going to give him. Before he asks you to do it. That's why, that's why I keep telling you, whatever God has said, just because of circumstance that change, doesn't change what God told you to do. Because he already knows your excuses before he asks you to do it. What a mighty God. God knows everything that you're going to say as to why you can't do what he said, what he asked you to do. He already knows. He already knows what you are going to say as to why you can't do what he says before he asks you. What an amazing God. He already knows. Before he asks you, he already knows the excuse. He knows your job schedule. He knows the ages of your children. He knows what you're trying to get to first. He knows your social situation. He already knows. He already knows what the people are like on your job. God knows before he asks. In other words, God doesn't ask, listen, and then wait for you to be in, to enlighten him on the situation. Like, okay, well, I'm not going to ask him nothing until they tell me how everything's going in their life. No, no. <laughs> get this. See, see that's, how you, that's how you get out of your blessing. You think God is not asking you uh, uh, to do something because you've got a situation going on. No. God doesn't ask then wait for you to tell him what's going on in your life. It's just like a parent. We did that with a child. We'll ask him to do something. We already know what they're going to say. I got homework. I didn't ask you about homework. I told you to do what I told you to do. That's what I want you to do. But you already knew they were going to say that. Matter of fact, you and your spouse been talking about something. Now you know what I asked them that they're going to say this. You already know what they going to say. And they said, and you and your spouse look over at each other like this. Don't just show them that we already knew what they were going to say. Already know. I got a lot of homework. They didn't ask you that. He didn't ask you that. She didn't ask you that. Every person, every parent have said that. I didn't ask you that. I'm 
telling you to do this. I don't care about that that you're talking about. I told you to do. In other words, as a parent, you know before you ask. So the excuses is not going to change, listen, the request. Your excuses is not going to change the request from God. Why you can't do it is not going to change God's request. See, I wanted to give God my excuse of why I shouldn't be standing. God, you know I'm going through right now and grief got me just, I just, oh, Father, nobody don't know. It's like, let me tell you, grief is like screaming loud on the inside and nobody hears it but you. And God still say, I want you to pastor. I'm like, give me a chance. I want you to pastor. It doesn't change the request. Your excuses. So don't get, well, you know, God. Because, I mean, if you listen to people, God changes every time this situation changes. God said this one time, he said that one time, he said this one time, he said that. But every time you situate, whatever God said from the beginning is what he's still saying. It doesn't change. The request. God is not going to hear us complain about what we think is in our way and change his mind. Well, God, you know I... I really don't need to do this because it won't change God's mind. But we request, well, you know, God, I have to work. It won't change His mind. Now, now what? I got to lose some sleep. See, you, you're going to have to juggle it now. Now, I know God didn't ask that. God knows I work on Sunday, so He wouldn't. No, God, it doesn't change the request. Please get that. What God is asking you, no matter what your situation is, it does not change. God is not interested in you telling Him why you can't do what He just told you to do. Listen. Listen to me. Again, excuses will not change the request. God is not going to hear us complain about what we think is in our way and change his mind. He changed not. Listen, God knew, just an example, God knew that Sarah was old and he asked her to have a child. And she acted like she was giving him some breaking news. I'm old. He said, I kind of knew that. I know how long you've been walking on earth, Sarah. As a matter of fact, Sarah, I know how many strands of hair is on your head. And the request still haven't changed. I'm going to need you to have a baby. I'm going to need you to have a baby and I'm going to need you to name him Isaac. I'm going to need all of that. (laughs) Like that could limit God. I love that. God, like, like that's news. 
I know, Sarah, how long you've been walking on the earth. It doesn't change what I ask you to do. God knows before He asks. Whatever God told you to do, He knows before that. Let me tell you, you can't change midstream and say, God, I got laid off. God said, yeah, and I still want you to do just what I told you to do. He won't decrease nothing. And if you keep complaining, he might increase. But he's never going to... Let me tell you, it doesn't change his mind. That's why Paul said, I love that, in verse 12, For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Listen. Listen to me, church. When I'm ready to obey, I, listen, listen, ooh, please write this down. I studied hard for this. Please write this down. When I'm ready to obey, I see what I have. When I'm not ready to obey, I only see what I need. I'll say it again. When I'm ready to obey, I see what I have. I see what I have to use to get it done. But when I'm not ready to obey, I only see what I need. What about what I need? That's the only thing you see. That means I'm not ready to obey. At some point, you have to stop making excuses and look around and lift up your hands. And what you will find is that you may not have everything you want. You may not have everything that you think you need to be comfortable to do what God says. See, you might, you, it might look like it because, you know what, God, but if I had this, it would be more comfortable to do. That's not his problem. You've got to do it. But if you lift up your head and your hands, open your eyes, and wake up, you've got to wake up, you'll find out this one thing. That you have what you need to do what God said. What you're missing is that willing mind. Got to have a willing mind. Note this as your letter C. I'm prepared to obey when I follow through. Paul said you began a year ago, but you didn't follow through. You got to follow through. I'm prepared when I'm not starting and stopping. Can't start and stop. Do it for a day, and then don't do it the next day. Do it for a month, and then miss two months. You know, do it for a week, and then I don't do it anymore. Start and stop. See, I'm prepared when I have a willing mind, and a willing mind will follow things all the way through. A willing mind will. Follow it all the way through. Third and final point. I'm prepared to obey when I handle correction. I have to handle correction. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. You should be still at 11th, one page over. See, I may desire something, but can I handle correction? Ooh, young people, young adults, young people, that you need to get this. Can you handle uh, I mean, correction? I handle correction if I believe that he is 
Why? Because he's every part of his word. I can have the correction if I believe that he is. If I have a willing mind, I can handle correction. People that can't handle correction don't only not believe that he is, you also do not have a willing mind. Are you in Hebrews chapter 11? Listen. You will, if you have a willing mind, and you are in a place in believing that he is, you are able to handle correction. Everybody in here has been corrected by God from something. Those that have a willing heart and believe that he is, they handle correction. Those that don't go all off and take everybody off with them. I've seen people go through this church and any other church. They can go through and change everybody's mind about all kinds of people's minds about different deals because they don't want correction. And people fall for it. You better get this. You better get this. You have to be able to handle correction. When I say handle correction, I mean hear it, receive it, with an intent to obey. That's what I mean, how you handle correction. I hear it, I receive it, with an intent to obey. You know, there's a time in all of our lives when we are awake, our heart is ready, we're committed, we feel like that we're ready to obey until we have to take correction. See, you'll be like, I got all of that in, okay, yes, I'm, I'm good, I got this good. And then somebody come and correct you. One of the things that's very challenging in our time, in this span of time that we live in right now with everything going on, is that we have a generation of people that grew up not learning how to handle correction. They didn't get corrected in their family. They didn't get corrected at home. So they darn sure don't want to be corrected at church. Somehow we have allowed there to be an entire generation that really can't handle correction. You see it in your children. They can't take being told that they're wrong. They can't handle someone pointing out that what they're doing is wrong. And they can't handle you telling them what you're doing is not going to get you what you want. That's correction. They just don't understand. You are not going to get what you desire if you keep doing what you're doing. You tell them that. Okay, I'm telling you, don't do this, but you're going to do it anyway. Church, you have to be able to handle correction. You have to be able to. You think you're going to have a restored life and, uh, and restore the breaches in your life and, and to have a principal life and be established in the Word and be established in the things of God without... Handling correction, it won't happen. You have to handle correction. If you can't hear and receive correction, you're not going to be able to be restored. You're not going to be, you're not going to be willing to go through the process because it is a process. You know, at different times people say, you know, the pastor's beating up on us. 
You know, even when I find, you know, they're beating up on us. No, you know what? When I'm ministering the word, I'm not beating up on you. Beating up is when you're caught in a dark alley and somebody is beating up on you. That's beating up on you. But no, all I'm doing is giving you correction. It's not beating up on you. It's simply correction. It's just, this is just correction. Doing it now. And all that is is pointing out to you Something that's not right. That's all it is. Pointing out to, to you something that you may or may not can see. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't handle it, you're not going to get what you desire. You're going to get some stuff, but you're not going to get what you desire. See, this is the thing. You're streaming now, and you're listening to me now. You're not doing that this morning so that you can, that, that, uh, to get the desire that I want for your life. You have your own life. You're not doing it for pastor's desire for your life. You're reading the Word. You're streaming. You're studying the Word of God because it's something that you desire for your life. You desire a change. It's not for me. It's for you. Sometimes we forget when correction comes why we put ourselves in that position to be corrected. See, you forget that. You put, you put yourself in a position to be corrected, to begin. I got, I got to correct you on that. See, you have to understand, you're not watching this morning because you want my, my will. I want you to know that. Well, you know, Pastor wants us to... No, no. This is your will for your life. You're watching this morning because you want God's will in your life. And guess what? Correction will help you get there. Correction will help you get there. Now in Hebrews chapter 12, it starts to tell us to look into Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who died on the cross, listen, to correct our sins. And then he tells us, beginning uh, 12, beginning at verse 4. Are you there? We have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And we and ye have forgotten mm, exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastening, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards, and not sons. Why would you ever be angry at that? He said, you're a child of God. You're going to get that. Write it down. I'm prepared to obey when I understand why I'm being corrected. You know why you're being corrected? Yes, yeah, see, that's what I want to know. Why they have corrected. You're being corrected because you're wrong. You're only going to be corrected because you're wrong. 
You know why I'm being corrected? Why? You need to tell yourself, because I'm loved. God loves me. And other people that are correcting me love me. I'm, I'm being corrected because I'm his child. If, listen, if God didn't love you, he'll just let you kill yourself. And just do what you want to. But because he loves you, he corrects you. Most younger people think that people in the church that correct them are older people. They think they're mean. Or they think that, that, you know, that, you know, they corrected me, that, that they don't care for me. Listen, a lot of young teenagers think they're friends. And the boys, the guys, and I got my boys, and the girl, I got my homegirls. They think they love them. Because they won't tell them the truth. They tell them what they want to hear, so they think they love me, but the people at church don't like me. No, you got it backwards, sweetie. The people that's correcting you at church is the ones that love you. Those that's telling you all the lies that get you in bondage and foolishness, they're the ones that don't love you. But young people think that it's the opposite. They don't love me. These people love me. That's how people get in games. They don't, people is trying to correct them the right way. No, they get in someone that's not going to tell them what they really are, going to beef them up about what all the wrong things they're doing, and they think that's okay. They think that's love. But that means you have to grow and mature. You younger people out there, young adults, you young teenagers, you got the, listen, you got to grow and mature. You will realize that correction, listen, you will realize and come in. You know what? Correction is an outflow of love. I had to grow into that. I had to mature into that. Correction is an outflow of love. You have to love somebody to correct them. Did you hear me? You have to love somebody to correct them. And God loves us. We are His children. And He said, look, you're going to have to grow up. God said, I'm not going to let you grow up wild. So I'm going to correct you. He wants us to be well raised, so therefore He corrects us. Listen, I'm prepared to obey when I understand the purpose of correction. What is the purpose of correction? The correction is because I'm wrong and I want to be corrected to do right. You know the purpose of it. That is the purpose. Correction don't come because you're right. Correction comes because you're wrong. There's some things that happen, and I'm not in place, in the place where you ought to be, so somebody has to correct you. The purpose of correction is to make me right, whether I like it or not. It never feels good, but it's going to get me right. Why? Because everything that I desire happens when I'm right. So I've got to correct you so you can be right. That's why you're being corrected. Know the purpose of it. Listen, any teachers that's out there that's listening to me, you know, listen, when teachers correct you, it's because they want you to pass, not fail. They just came over and started doing my paper and telling me what I was wrong. No, no. Listen, I'm not even a teacher, but I know as a teacher, not I'm talking about in the world, teachers... When they have you for a year, they don't want to see you next year. That's why they're correcting you. They want you to move on to the next grade. They're not trying to keep you out. They just want to keep me back. They don't want to look at you like that. They want you to get it and get out. 
and go on. That's what we do here. We're correcting you so you can go on, that you can grow and mature. Because you know what? When, another, when teachers get you where you need to, correct you where you're going wrong and showing you what's right to do, even in the natural, it's telling you, grow up, get mature. you got to move on to the next step in life. So it is with the things of God. You're getting corrected because God has said, I want you to grow, I want you to mature, I want you to move forward. I don't want you to be the same place you are next year. That's why we always say, examine yourself, see where you are. I don't want you the same place a year after year. You need to grow and mature. You need to go forward. So therefore, I'm going to have to correct you until you get it right, until you mature. Are you with me? Last one, I am prepared to obey when I make the correction. See, after you get corrected, then you've got to make the correction. Only way you're going to move forward. In this classroom or any classroom, you have to make the correction. People who make correction, listen. Now, this is, now this is me. And, I'm, and, 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 and this is me. Now, this is like I'm talking about. This is me personally when I'm dealing with people one-on-one or I'm mentoring someone. Listen to me. People who make correction, listen, they continue to be corrected. Did you hear me? People who make corrections continue to be corrected. Now that's true spiritually and naturally. People who make corrections when they've been corrected, they Continue to be corrected. When someone see, listen, when someone see that you're willing to make a correction, they'll continue to provide correction. Now that's me. When I see that what I'm giving you, you making an effort to do, even though you might miss, but I see you making an effort. I'm talking about one-on-one if I'm, you know, mentoring someone. And I see you making an effort to be corrected, I'm going to continue to correct it. But if I see that you pissing on what I'm trying to tell you, or you, don't, you take it lightly, you don't take it seriously. Listen, when a person sees that you're not willing to make the corrections, they will be no longer, they will no longer provide you correction. Oh, oh you see it in your family. Your family member, they could tell you this, that, and the other, and then you, I got this, I got this, okay. I mean, let, let, let's just give an example, last example, because I want you to get this. Because I'm, I'm trying to tell you, when a person accepts correction and make an effort to correct themselves, then people say, okay, okay, well let me, you know, you see something else on it, you give them some more correction. Like, you know, they easy, they you know, they, they get after it when you say it. But when you see people like, hmm, they don't know everything. I'm going to do what, mm, mm, do what I want to do. I'm going to do that. You'll find out people stop correcting you. Because they be like, no, they don't want it. They don't want it. It's for example. Let's just give an example. Let's just say, um, let's just say Minister Aberhart, because he's right here. Let's say that he bought a big, huge truck or 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 mobile home, or something, get something big. And him and his wife is driving it home. And, and, and his wife is saying, you know, telling him what's to the left, and he's driving, and, and she's saying, oh, move over, make sure that we don't do it. And, and she do it long enough that it now becomes an irritant. And all of a sudden, 
Because, you know, men get irritated when you keep trying to tell them how to drive. That's an example. And then she's telling him this and that, and, and all of a sudden he say, I got this. I got this. And then Sister Abhar said, hmm, okay, he got that. You know, amongst some other things that he say, you know. You know how men can get down. I mean, I'm doing it lightly, but men will be like, you know, they'll put whatever extra that irritates you because now they said they got it. And then all of a sudden, y'all just riding home, and all of a sudden he says, do you hear that? And you, and, and she'll say, yeah, I heard it. And you're like, well, what was that? And she'll say, you just hit that guardrail. No, I didn't hit no guardrail. Yeah, you didn't. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. Well, didn't you see? Why didn't you tell me? Because you said, I got this. Amongst other things. So I let you have it. And you be like, well, I, you know, I, I, I did hear a little something, but when I get home, it, it, it wasn't nothing. And then you get out when you get home, minister, and you see a big scratch. And you go in to get stuff to try to rub that scratch out. All because you said, I got this. Don't want to make the correction. Don't want to say, oh, okay, I'm irritated with you trying to tell me what to do. When all she was doing was trying to help. Listen, people who make the correction continue to be corrected. God is not correcting us because he doesn't like us. See, Sister Aberhart wasn't trying to tell him how to go because he, she just wanted to irritate him. She was helping him out. <laughs> but he didn't understand this until the guardrail. But if we respond to God against something that God is telling us to do, and, and God said something you didn't see that was going to damage your life, and I'm giving you correction and I'm trying to, 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 to tell you to go this way and that way. And you're irritated. I, I'm not coming back Sunday night because they're going to be talking about that. And, and God is saying, but you just, you just about to turn that corner and hit that guardrail. But you don't want nobody to tell you nothing else. I'm not even going. You're prepared to obey when you make the correction. And then what do we do? After we hit the guardrail and we get in trouble, then we ask God, how did this happen? How did that happen? The guardrail, whatever your guardrail is. God, how did that happen? You know, what, what, what's going on? God, look, God, how could you let this happen to my life? Because I was giving you correction and giving someone to guide you the whole time, and now you've all up on the, some of you done passed the guardrails, you all up on the deal. And God said, I gave you every kind of warning. 
And you still want to do your own thing. But guess what? God is just like Sister Aberhart. God will keep assisting you until he find out you don't want it and you tell him you got this. And you know what God will do? The same thing Sister uh, Aberhart do. He'll just let you do it. He'll just let you just run all up on the guardrail and wherever because you told him, I got it. See, you don't say it like that, but you said, I don't want to hear. They're picking on me. No, they're just talking to me. I can tell. Uh, they was looking at me when they said that. Oh, I'm going to do what I want to. I'm grown. I'm doing. All of that is saying, God, talk to the hand. They did myself a little bit, but whatever you said, you was like, nope. You withdraw yourself from the situation. And God, God said, okay. God will withdraw himself from the situation. And he'll let you handle it on your own. God does the same thing. He's not going to force his way to make you obey and make you make the correction. He gives you the warnings. He gives you what you need to do. And if you don't do it, God said, okay, I'm going to step back and let you handle the situation. And when you have torn up everything and you're trying to walk through it and you know within yourself you're miserable. Church, I'm simply trying to tell you, you have to have a mind and a will to obey. Even in correction. You have to have a readiness to obey in this time. Even in this time of COVID, in this time of economic distress, in this time of racism, in this time of social unrest, in this time of uncertainty, we have to have a mind and a readiness and a willingness. I'm going to obey. See, as it relates to your Heavenly Father, there, there's not a time, not a time, that you should ever take reins of your life. But you do. Don't take the reins of your life in 2021. Don't take it. God, okay, I got it. I can handle it from now. I can handle it. Let me tell you, for one thing, because the, the vehicle that Minister Aberhart and Sister Aberhart was in, that was a big, that thing was so big, that was something he'd never handled before. And he got in and didn't want no help. Some of you have life. You've never handled this before. You've never handled it before. And God is trying to give you correction and instructions and different things to happen, especially in this time. And you are saying, I got this, God. I got this. You're weary of correction. I'm grown. Hmm. How do you get weary of correction? You have to tell God, my life is in your hands. I'm not weary of, you know, I'm not my own. I'm not on my own. And see, some of you, this is where you are. Now, you know, you're all up on the guardrail. You've done everything wrong. You did everything backwards. And you just did all the things you want to. Now! You want to give God the reins. Now that everything's a mess. And God is so good. 
Because he, I'll remember, he stepped back a long time ago when you said you got this and I'm going to do what I want to. Now you have to invite him back in and say, God, I was wrong. And I know I was wrong. And I see I need your help. And I see I need your correction. And from now on, I'm going to listen to you. See, that's what you have to tell God. You got to bring yourself to, you know, you got to, you got to get out of pride and foolishness. But see, if you're still in pride and foolishness, it's because you're still immature. You got to grow from that. See, we're talking about obeying God. You say you want to obey. Let me tell you, it's not so easy to obey God. When, let me tell you, it was a struggle for you to obey, obey God when just spending money, without spending money for a month. Look how big a struggle that was. And that was a minor thing. And you found every excuse to spend it. And it's amazing how God told you not to right when you got that stimuli. God said, I don't, need, I don't need nothing stimulating you but me. You got that and all of a sudden you became talkative? <laughs> Tell me, people get a little money, $1,400, they just start talking. Hey. And you know, got two or three kids. Ooh, I got 5000 Hey, hey, hey. No, no. If they get 3000 4000 that's honey. You go from hey to honey. And guess what? It's just about gone. And now you back to Lord help me. See, we go we, we go from all of that. And when I say honey, H U N N I, honey. No, oh, yes, ma'am, honey. Yes, that that stimulus come in, honey. And God step way back and let you honey it out. Some, some, for some of you, it's the first time you've ever had $3,000 in the bank. Or $4,000 in the bank. Some of you, it's the first time you had 1400 in the bank. And let me tell you, and you spend it as fast as you can get it because you're not used to it. There's no discipline. There's nothing in your life. Let me tell you, you won't obey God in anything. And before long, you'll find your excuses that God already knows. And God's going to bring your remembrance right back up here. God said, that's not your source. The world can't take care of you. It can't take care of you. We have to be in a place and a time that, Father, I'm prepared to obey. And I'm prepared to make performance of it. I'm prepared to perform it, not just say it. It has to be a performance. you got to have a performance in your obedience. i got to do. I have to make it happen. i got to move toward it. i got to stop talking about it and saying it. I must do. And you can do this. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.